Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Hey friends, welcome back. We have a special guest for you today. We are talking to Karina Gardner and she we're so excited to share this episode with you because she has so much to share that Bonnie and I are passionate about. So Karina has a PhD in design from the University of Minnesota. She's been a creative director for Scrapbook and Company and Children's Company. She's designed everything from dishware to bracelets under her brand for retailers. She's currently designing fabric for Riley Brake Designs. Yes, that's why Bonnie and I are such huge fans. <laughs> <laughs> and die cutting files for silhouettes. Her passion is teaching other designers how to create meaningful design careers while making a residual income online in in her design boot camp and design suite programs. Karina, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I know. And what a bio, man. <laughs> like you could just retire now. So exciting. All the awesome things you do. <laughs> okay. okay. So just um, let's get an intro out of the way. We want to hear more about you, Karina, specifically, uh, personally, let us know about your family, all that stuff. Um, so I actually, I was raised in Tennessee, oldest of six kids. That's why I love hearing you guys talk about all your kids because it like, it reminds me of my childhood. Um, I, myself only have three kids. So you guys out and I number me by multiple, multiple amounts. Um, <laughs> three was all I could handle. So <laughs> I have three kids. Um, we currently live in Sandy, Utah, and um, as you as you heard in the bio, I have a PhD in design. Um, I'm like a serial entrepreneur slash designer, and I really got into for me what I call the crafting industry, which is fabric, paper crafting, scrapbooking, um, and I just love it. I love every second of it. It just makes me so happy. So. Those of you who are designers out there or want to be designers, like, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, I mean, today, when, at the time of recording this episode, the rest of my day is spent sewing a quilt on video. Like, I mean, darn it. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rough life you lead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have to say that three kids was the hardest for me. And I definitely, if there was a place where I would have stopped, it would have been three because it's like uh, something that's out of sync. You have two hands going through a parking lot and you have three kids, right? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but after that, it just got easier. So I was just going to say, whereas for me, three was actually fairly simple, but then I kept going and got twins right after. So it's probably <laughs> smart that you stopped. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Three has been awesome for you. Mine are pretty well spaced out. So I almost always had, I did a degree and then have a baby, a degree and have a baby. So my master's degree, while I was defending my master's degree, I, um, I had my first child 10 days after, and then I finished my PhD and I had my next baby two weeks after. So I was always very, very pregnant. No one in a committee was ever going to say no to my thesis or dissertation because I was just pregnant. And actually, in my dissertation defense, which was a month, you know, I was going to graduate, um, 
so I did my defense. And while I was at my defense, I was having contractions. So I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and my whole committee was so freaked out. They were like, wait, are you going to have this baby right now? I was like, no, <laughs> pass me. Pass me quick so I can just get out of here. <laughs> so it was hmm. – I, I was actually – I was like, I was like, this is actually a great strategy for anyone trying to get through their diplomas because you're just yeah. like just getting it done. So smart. So you actually have two extra kids because of those dang degrees. I kind of feel the same way when I'm – my last couple of pregnancies, I'm always working on some big project. Like I started designing patterns with my – when I was almost going to have my seventh kid and I was like, is this just like a part of nesting or like why do I not plan better? <laughs> Yeah, nest or get a diploma, like they're kind of the same thing. I remember getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning because I couldn't sleep, and that's when I'd write my dissertation. Like I would just get up, I couldn't sleep, sit and write my dissertation for a couple hours, and then go back to bed. Amazing. <laughs> so how and when, digging a little bit into your background, how and, and when did you know that a creative career was what you were going to do, your career choice? I think... Okay. So I think when you know you're going to be a mom, like that's part of like your life goal and life plan, but you also love like what you do. Like you're like, I love, like, I want to have some kind of career or something, but I want to stay home. I naturally started graduate gravitating to all the things that felt like, okay, this would keep me home. This would keep me home. This would keep me home. And actually I got the PhD with every intention of being an associate professor and working at nights and teaching at whatever university I was going to be near. And so that's actually how I went into it. But I ended up getting this PhD and most designers don't get PhDs. We get MFAs. So you finish at an MFA and then you go out into the world and you design or you become a professor. But um, the University of Minnesota started finding that there were not very many deans of colleges that were graphic designers because everyone quit at the MFA. So they offered this PhD program. They were like one in five when I was going through it. And so I, I went ahead and got my PhD, which by the way, was an accident. So I finished my MFA or my MA, I got an MA and saw that I only had three classes and a dissertation left. So they were like, you should just finish your PhD. So it was like one of those things, like I was going to just do a master's degree and then I ended up in a PhD program. And so I had always thought in my head, I'm just going to teach. Like I would love to teach design. I love design. Um, and then um, one of my girlfriends was the creative director at My Mind's Eye, which is a scrapbooking company. And she said, Karina, you should get into this thing called digital scrapbooking. It'll let you work at home. You can create digital products. You should check that out. And so I did. And that was like my intro into the world of crafting. So I didn't know I was going to get into crafting. I thought <laughs> I was going to be doing all this like sophisticated design stuff. In fact, my, my focal point, what I taught in college was typography and packaging design. So those are my two focuses. In no way did I know crafting was going to be like the thing I would do for the last 15 years. That is really awesome. And, and really encouraging too. Like it just kind of sounds like you just, it just called you to it and you couldn't resist. (laughs) It's true. Well, and I felt lucky because at that time scrapbooking can had started kind of having this amazing surge. And so within, it took me a year to figure things out. But by the time at the end of the year, I got a scrapbooking contract. I had a fabric contract, which I wasn't with Riley Blake to begin with. I was with another fabric company. And so that kind of like helped me kind of figure out what that world looked like. And I actually think people like you who are actually like sewers, you have a better idea of 
like what that world ought to look like because you're in it, you know, whereas someone, a designer coming from the outside in, I like it took me a little while to figure the whole thing out. Ooh, that's an interesting concept. I wouldn't have thought about that. Um, okay. So my question is, have you always worked, um, while being home with your kids or did you have any period of time that you were, that you took off? No, I've always worked. And I actually think that is one of the things that has been amazingly successful for me. Um, because my kids have always seen me work and now I worked shorter, smaller amounts of time, right. Depending on where I was. Um, but, um, I've always worked because I always wanted my fingers in. And so the nice thing about what I do for a living, right. Is that if, um, if I just don't have time to make a fabric line this year, I just don't have time, you know, but for the most part, I was able to continue to output product. And then also kind of the height of some of the, um, contracts I got was when my children were little, um, I had a really big, um, brand, Thing. I don't know what you call it, like dishware, bracelets, artwork for, um, in Utah, this local, uh, uh, book chain called Deseret Book. And so I, I had a huge contract with them and they started putting out Karina Gardner products. And so that was when my children were like six and three, you know, it was before even the third one had come along. And so I was taking those contracts cause I needed the experience because I had been a, I had been a, doctoral student for so long that hadn't actually designed. So it was kind of an amazing thing, but I got to be home doing it and I got to do it at weird times, right? Like that's always the deal. Back then I did dumb things with my time. Like I'd stay up super duper duper late. Um, and it, <laughs> it took me until being a little bit like more wise. Now I get up at 5 a.m. So I will work really early in the morning to get my stuff done um, now I have all three kids at school, so I do have the middle of the day now. Um, but that, that was not always the case. So I would, I'd work around my entire family schedule. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is so when they were little and you had them home all the time, I mean, did you have regular childcare or did you just try to squeeze it in the, the you know, that nap time, bedtime type hours? I did it. I did it by myself. Uh, although I will say this, my husband actually, he's an attorney and he hated being an attorney. And so he actually, the year that Charlie was born, that's my third, he actually quit his job as an attorney and he stayed home for a year. So we had like a flip flop of roles for a good, I would say a year and a half before he started work and he's no longer an attorney. He's now in tech sales, but it worked out really, really good for that period of our lives. And that, that period was crazy because I was also the creative director of Cardabella. So it was it was insane. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Sometimes you look back, you're like, how did we do that? Oh, I don't know, but we just did. And here we are. <laughs> we survived. Yeah, I really don't know how we did it. Like I look back and I'm like, you were sleep deprived. There was like the kids needed us. It was really hard. And I will say the stage I'm in right now, I, I know both of you have older kids, right? The stage we're in right now is like the easiest we've ever been in. We have two teenage girls and then one in elementary school of my son. And it has been, I like, if I could freeze time, it would be right now. Like I want this <laughs> all the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel exactly the same way. I've got two in college and they're just about to launch out into life. And, and I feel like, and then I've got all the way down. So my oldest is 23 and then I've got all the way down to the youngest is two. And I'm like, 
oh man, pretty soon there's going to be some pretty big changes. And like, if we could just like freeze time right here and I didn't get another day, this would be so beautiful. This would have been enough. <laughs> well, I still yeah. have a baby, so I'll freeze time in another couple of years. <laughs> but it is considerably, I mean, it, it's never been easier to have a baby than right now because I can run places and I can, you know, and they take care of her and give her a bottle. And it's really, really nice to have big head helpers. I will admit that for sure. Yeah. I have a great love for teenagers. I know not everyone loves teenagers, but I think teenagers might be my favorite. We love um, teenagers on this podcast. We talk about it all the time. Oh, we have a whole episode one so far. There's probably going to be more dedicated to teenagers because we love teenagers so much. And one of our pet peeves is when people say, oh, wait till they get to be teenagers. We're like, no, just wait till they get to be teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I have heard people say that. And I'm like, why haven't I experienced that? I mean, yes, they talk back a little, but like other than that, I'm like, best kids ever. Like I love it so much. My, um, and I have a little bit different of a situation. My oldest daughter who's 17 is autistic. And so I have to drive her pretty far away to get her to her school every morning. And she is like, it, I would say like the hardest part was just like going through the hormonal change. But after that, it has been the most brilliant thing ever. Like I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to say that even though teenagers problems are bigger, the nice thing is you're supposed to be teaching them to take care of them themselves, right? To take care of those problems. And so the biggest challenge is just stepping back. And that is a challenge, but it's really refreshing, you know, to have so much that they're responsible for. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, oh, on this podcast a lot, we talk about my husband and I have a 20 year vision. And so like, that is so easy to keep that 20 year vision in front of you when you're dealing with teenagers, because like you're not changing their diapers and wiping their butts and, you know, <laughs> taking your sheets off that they peed in again, because like you're through all that with teenagers and, and you get to like, you're getting the starting glimpses of this friendship. You want to be friends and the kind of family you want to have and be in 20 years. And yeah, we just love, <laughs> love teenagers. It's been so good. And um, we were, we were going to on this podcast talk a little about creativity and it wasn't until I think, you know, there is a little bit of mom guilt for working at home or working while your kids are little, but it's been so crazy. It's only been in the last couple of years. I've seen how much that's impacted my kids in the best way possible. Mm. Um, Cause I have a 17 year old. She's at a community college and her senior year and about we're looking at colleges and she's decided to go into animation. And I've been like, oh my gosh, this is totally because she has, first of all, access to tools, right? So because I have a huge studio with fabric in it and silhouette machines in it and an iPad with an Apple pencil, and she has access to all these tools and she's animating all the time. And she's like, I'm going to get into this. I love this. And then my 14 year old has been doing tons and tons of drawing. She sees me drawing all the time. And she's like, I think I want to be a graphic designer mom. And I'm like, what? Where did this come from? I like I wasn't expecting either of them to get into this kind of field. And to see them going, I love what my mom does. We see what she's doing every day. It's like when you have a sewing machine in your house, there's a like there's at least a chance a kid will get on it, right? If you don't yeah. have the tool in your house, they're never going to get on it. And so something about having all these tools everywhere makes them just go, oh, I, can, I I watch my mom do this every day. We can do this. We can make money doing this. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. On top of that, not only do they have the tools, but they see that you're actually building a career out of it. Whereas many families might say, oh, do we really want to do illustration or animation? That sounds like a far... No, 
of course you can have a creative career or an artistic one. Um, and I love that you're, you're so empowering in that way because you get to show them what a cool job you have. It is really fun. And the crazy thing about it too, is that my husband is an attorney and he quit his job because I was making most of the money. And so it was like, my kids actually like almost have the opposite view. Like maybe if you get like a standard job, you might not, it might not make work kind of money. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you might not like my kids see like that if you're like a hard worker and you're building your stuff and John Maxwell said or John Maxwell. Yeah, he says consistency compounds. If you see that you just continually do the thing that eventually you figure out a way to make money doing it. Yeah, that's really cool. So your kids can see that your creativity in that career is lucrative. But I think you're probably modeling some other things about why creativity is important to you in your life, to your kids too. So can you share that with our audience? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I really just focus on the sewing. They see me quilting all the time and they want to (laughs) sew and I'm like, oh, I'm doing a good job, right? Um, But I actually think you know, we talk a lot. So I, I teach designers and I have this design boot camp, and I talk really often about being a producer versus a consumer. And we're still struggling. We struggle with that with our kids, right? Because they want to consume all the things. And um, one thing, especially with my oldest daughter, I noticed is that she, rather than just consuming, she's always trying to produce with the consumption. So she like, loves like dolls and ripping them apart. And that sounds kind of creepy, but (laughs) like painting them, doing their hair, dressing, like sewing clothes for them. So she loves watching YouTube and learning how to do those things. And to me, like YouTube by itself isn't a bad thing, but sometimes we get a little frustrated with our kids just consuming, consuming, consuming. And we've kind of at our house been like, if you're watching it so that you can do something with it, we are here for it. Like you can do it. Like if you need to watch 10 hours of doll videos to figure out how to make the thing, we think, we think of that as coursework. Like you're learning how to do the thing. And so, um, I have been surprised to watch my kids, you know, in your own business, you're making stuff up as you go. Right building processes (laughs) and systems, trying to figure out how to make things work, getting things done in time or deadlines. And I think my kids have seen me do that and they themselves kind of model some of those things, which has been so awesome. Yeah, that is so cool. And it's so wonderful to spend so much time and effort on something that you love and also see it yield some results in your children, right? Um, I remember the first time some of my children wanted to sew things, it was my older boys and it was years and years ago. They just wanted to uh, sew a pillow or somebody made a little stuffed alien or something. And I was just so proud because it's something that I loved, we could connect with together, you know? Um, so kind of off topic real quick, I would love to know what you, where you go to for most of your creative inspiration, because I know, um, I consider myself a creator as well, but there are certainly days where I have to get things done and I just don't feel the juice flowing. So what, what do you do if you have moments like that? Oh my gosh. I feel like this is like the question all my design suite members ask me because I do think there's like creative deficit sometimes. Like you can Mm -hmm. be like totally drawn out. I'm going to say this. Okay. I think if you're getting enough sleep, usually your creativity isn't 
at, at a low. Like if you're getting eight hours of sleep every night, people always say to me, like, you must never sleep because they see how much content we put out. They see how many designs I come out with. We have something like, like my personal brand has something like 12,000 designs on the internet. Like it's just in tons. Okay. And I'm like, no, it's because I've been doing it for 15 years. So consistency compounds, mm -hmm. right? I have a lot. And I treat myself like, like my whole body and I didn't always do this, but I always treat myself like I am like the star athlete. If I'm not getting enough sleep, if I'm not drinking enough water, if I'm not eating the best I can, then I feel like not very good. Right. And so then I can't be creative. So I really treat, treat myself as well as I can. And I also always tell my design suite members, like, have you doodled today? Because if you're not doodling, then you're not outputting something. And you might even not even know what you're doing. Like maybe it's a whole bunch of scribbles. But I promise, like, if you kind of just start in that space, you will end up making something. It's kind of crazy. The other thing I really suggest for people is to try something new, like a different medium. So, like, especially artists, but, like, writers, musicians, like, I think all of them need this. And that is that we have to try something new all the time. So like I went to the, to Michael's and I haven't done pastels since my PhD. And I went and bought a whole bunch of pastels. Cause I was just like, I just need a break from my daily routine. And I started doing a whole bunch of pastels and something about that break. And even though I was drawing a lot of the same things I like to draw, it felt different. It felt new. It felt like a different medium. Yeah. I love that. I think both Bonnie and I are like jumping up and down in our seats here, trying to be the one to respond to this, because this is something we've talked to about our, to our listeners all the time. You have to take care of yourself to be in good condition, to take care of the little ones who are depending on you. And I think both Bonnie and I also have experience with not taking care of ourselves good enough to be in good condition to help our little ones. And so we just have seen the importance of it ourselves. So I love that you're applying that to creativity too. Like if you don't get enough sleep, you're not going to be creative. And, and maybe that's why, like, I'm just personally, you know, thinking here, like maybe that's why at the end of a big project, I, I always feel so burnt out. Like I just can't possibly create anything else because I've stayed up so many late nights and skipped a meal here and <laughs> there, and, like not followed my own advice. And just, I love that part of it that you need to treat yourself like, the star athlete that that was awesome. <laughs> well, and really, if you think about it, your brain is right. And whether you're a creative person or even just a mom, your brain has a really heavy load on it. Um, and I think about that in parenting is in general as well. It's, it's not just keeping these kids alive. Like there are tactics to, um, helping them behave the best way they know how and figuring out what the, what the problem is that they're dealing with and, and diving deep in them with them emotionally. And it's a lot more taxing on the brain than we realize. <laughs> And, and for some reason, though, we look at it and just think, well, it doesn't matter if I stay up late or if I eat garbage. But to give our kids and our families the best or our jobs the best, we've got to treat our brains, like you said, like they're a star athlete, like like we're, we're depending on those muscles to survive because we really are. But we don't take good enough care of it, I think. I know. And when we think about all the times that you snap at your kids, at, for me anyway, like if I've snapped at my kids or I'm not giving them my best and I'm like, it's almost always because I'm tired almost always. Like it's usually at the end of the day when I'm really tired. And if you think about that in, in a creative life or a creative job, like 
when you feel depleted and you have nothing to give, when the truth is we're just creative beings. I don't, I don't care who you are, if you feel like you can't draw or if you can't write or whatever. The truth is you have something in you that's creative. I know this for a fact. And if you just could get enough for yourself, like enough sleep, enough food, enough water, that you would actually be able to create so many things because you would have like the momentum to put it on paper or write it out or write the music. Okay. All right. This is awesome because Bonnie and I both get this question a lot as creatives. Oh, I'd love to do what you're doing. I'd love to make what you're making, but I don't have a creative bone in my whole body. So back up and dig in and tell us, how do you know that we're creative beings? Okay. Well, I know from personal experience, because I am a designer, right? You guys, I have an undergrad degree in marketing. I thought I was like an analytical girl. That's like the driest thing. <laughs> so dry, right? Not a lot of creativity going on there. Zero, okay? And I kind of started dabbling and I wanted to learn Photoshop and Illustrator. So I actually decided just to get a master's degree to do that, okay? And I thought I would want to be a professor of that. I thought that would be kind of fun. So I know for a fact that like design and things like drawing – like, yes, there are some people who are talented, but for the most part, these are learned skills. They are learned abilities. And I think that also goes with growth mindset, right? Like if you have a fixed mindset, you think you can never change. If you have a growth mindset, you know you can get better at anything. And I know of for a fact, because I taught five years of university, that people, I mean, there's a reason you start at your freshman year and you have crappy projects and your senior year have this amazing portfolio. It's because it's a learned behavior. That's how we're able to teach it. So people who think that, well, that person's just so talented or they just are innately wonderful or good, that might, they might have some of that, but for the most part, really good designers, really great designers, these are learned skills. Right. Yeah. You're so talented because you've been designing every day for 15 years, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I just heard an analogy recently about, you know, we talk about filling our own cups, right? So that we can offer things to other people. But um, the analogy I heard was you don't actually pour from your cup to serve others or to put into your designing or your job or whatever you want to put your effort into. You wait until the t- cup is full and then the overflow is what puts great stuff out into the universe. You always have to stay full. Like you can't just be always dumping stuff out and then waiting to fill back up. It's the overflow that gets, that gives the good that you have left into the world. And we all have that. We all have something good to share, but we might never find it if that cup never gets full. So I just love that. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I, I feel like I need to use that. That's so good. <laughs> use it. I, I can't remember where I heard it. So we're all going to use it now. <laughs> okay. So, um, one last question for the moms and maybe those who, who feel like they're not creative or maybe they do feel talented, but they really want to start some sort of creative business from home. What do you have to say to them, especially if they feel like it's so overwhelming, they don't even know where to start? I think look at what you actually do. We talk about this in my design boot camp. If you want to come to a design boot camp, that will actually guide you a little bit. But for the most part, because you might not be a designer, maybe you're a writer, maybe you're a musician. Like, I don't know what it is that you like brings like makes your heart just sing, right? Like I know people who are like love singing. So they've joined like choir groups or whatever. So what I say is take whatever your hobby is and then go dig deep. Okay. Figure out, cause you're paying for stuff, right? Are you paying for fabric? Are you paying for paper craft goods? Are you pay- like, whatever you're paying for, someone's getting paid to do that thing. Right. <laughs> so it's like, 
if you want a creative career that actually makes money, like that you want to get paid to do, you need to figure out what are you currently buying? Like, are Mm. you buying that thing? Someone's getting paid to do that. So smart. That's so smart. I love that. So was that like, did you have hobbies in the area that you're designing in now when you were younger? Um, I, I was a sewer, but I sewed a lot of clothing when I was younger and Barbie clothes. I love Barbie clothes. And for a while there, I was kind of known as the American girl doll panel girl. Like I have all these fabric lines that had American girl doll type. What what, what do we call them? 17 inch doll stuff. (laughs) Um, and so I did love that stuff growing up. I love sewing growing up. I wasn't a quilter though. I'm like, I became a quilter as an adult, Um, and then paper crafting, you know, I don't think I did a ton of paper crafting, like what we saw happen in the early two thousands. Um, I certainly liked cutting and making journals and stuff and like that. And I liked writing, but I wouldn't say I had this extraordinary childhood of creativity. I like, I felt like, I think all kids, like you see them doing all the fun, creative things. Like, I think I had that. I had a, a wild imagination, um, I mean, clearly I had a degree, my undergrad degrees in marketing. I clearly <laughs> didn't think that a creative career was for me, which is even more why I, I talk to people about it. Cause I'm like, if this is something you've been yearning for, it actually is incredibly doable and it, it's doable without a degree. Like you can find the thing you really want to do by simply going out and doing that thing every single day. Love it. One thing I have said to moms who ask me that question um, and they're like, they feel like they don't, they're not creative and they, that like, they're serious. They want to know. Um, I'll tell them, well, just sit down with your kids and do with what, do what your kids are doing. Like you feel like a beginner at drawing. We'll just sit down next to them and draw with them. And then, you know, they're, they're painting that day. We'll just sit down and paint with them and do their thing with them because, you're going to find yourself somewhere. You're going to find the creative thing that speaks to you somewhere and you're going to love it. And so if they're, you know, out building sandcastles, go do it with them <laughs> because kids are so, so, so creative. I don't think any, anybody could say that, or, or you, I don't think you could find a kid out there that's not creative. I think somehow we just start ignoring it or something as we're adults. Don't listen to that anymore. So that's some advice that I've given to moms when they're asking me and they're like, seriously, no, like how seriously do, seriously, how do I find this creativity inside? I'm like, just go back to being a kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think that's amazing advice. I also think that it is okay to be a beginner And I think it's also okay to kind of dig back and kind of remember when you first thought that you weren't good enough or creative enough. Because I think like there's actually usually a starting point where someone told you when you were six or seven that the thing you colored wasn't good or that the colors you chose weren't pretty or something. And I think when you kind of identify that and you kind of realize like you've been kind of holding yourself back because of that, Mm -hmm. like sometimes it's almost easier at that point to be like, oh my gosh, like what did that other seven-year-old know about me? And, <laughs> and, and those are things that truly that made us stop being creative. Like that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally remember in elementary school being told that I was a good artist and somewhere in middle school, either something like that happened or, or my own issues got in the way. And so I stopped drawing. Um, and then recently I went and took a um, a painting class. I just thought it'd be really fun to learn a bunch of different types of painting. We did like four different kinds. And I was like, oh, I'm good at this. I didn't know this. 
I don't know. I had any artistic ability. I'm good at this. You know, my creative stuff was more, you know, like textiles and stuff, but it's so, so uplifting to try something new and go, oh, there's an untapped skill there that I could totally develop if I wanted to. I love it. So yeah, that's so amazing. And here's the other thing, like as a mom who have kids who literally, when I say draw all the time, my, especially my oldest daughter, she has a sketchbook on her all the time. Like we will be at a church activity and she is drawing. She probably draws, I would guess somewhere between five and six or seven hours a day. Cause she goes to a school that would also allow her to continue to draw. She's getting in her 10,000 hours before your kid. Like, so you need to let your kids get that creativity out. Let them continue to draw, keep doing stuff. Because at our house, it doesn't matter what you're drawing. It's awesome. Because we want you to continue to continue to to make stuff, to draw things, to build stuff. And so um, I like you want your kids to get in those 10,000 hours as quickly as possible because that's when they figure out. That's how she's been able to easily figure out, oh, I think I like animation because she's been drawing since she was six and we have all the sketchbooks books to prove it. And she's way better than me, you guys, like at tons <laughs> of stuff. Like she'll be drawing something and be like, I have no idea how you just did that. That was amazing. You know? And, and so that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like we need to like really cut off, not just for ourselves, but for our kids, we need to continually tell them how awesome the stuff that they're doing is. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. And to remind them that it takes a lot of time. My oldest is a really talented um, artist as well. And I remember him starting at six or seven and being so frustrated with himself because he was bad. I'm like, of course you are. You just started. We're all bad when we start. (laughs) And he kept going. And now I'm like blown away by what he can draw thanks to YouTube and just lots of practice, you know, so it's pretty, pretty powerful. Something I've been telling my little kids when they get that first input of, oh, you know, this isn't very good, is they'll, I'll say, well, bring me your, bring me your drawing or painting or whatever, and I'll bring it to you, and I'll, they'll, t- they'll tell me, you know, about it, and then they'll tell me what somebody said, and I'll say, but do you like it? Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. But so-and-so said, no, no, just stop. You like it, and that's good enough, like, to empower them to take their own feedback also. I like it. And that's good enough. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. And that's all kids really need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, Karina, we hate to stop, but we have to stop somewhere. And we want to thank you so much. I feel like we could talk to you all day and dig into these topics deeper. But we want to thank you so much for taking time to come on and share these tidbits with our listeners. Can you finish up by telling our audience where to find you on the internet because they are going to want to go check out your stuff now. Um, well, the best place since you're on a podcast is to come visit me in my podcast at make and design with Karina Gardner. It really is geared towards people who are makers and designers. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was lovely chatting with you. I can't wait to hear more of your podcast too. Thanks for listening friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week.